Hi, I'm Faith. And I'm Corey. And whether it's a book, movie, or a TV show, we'll stick with you to the better end. Hey, Corey. Mm-hmm. Got a question for you. All right. If you were in a fictional family, mm-hmm. who would you like to belong to? And would you be an existing character or would you like insert yourself as you? Ooh. Okay. So I'll answer the first part first. Sure. Um, if I had to be in any fictional family... I think I would pick the March family from Little Women. Oh, okay. The books or the movies. There's so many movie adaptations, though. So I could be in a modern adaptation because one of those came out in, I think, 2019. Sure. Or I could be in the historically accurate setting, I guess. But I love Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. I think it's so sweet, and I think it Mm -hmm. has really sweet, healthy portrayals of family dynamics, even though they definitely get aggravated with each other and do dumb stuff. Sure. In general, they're very sweet. Okay. And, like, the whole point is they always take care of each other and stick up for each other, and they make everyday fun and Mm -hmm. practice, like, gratitude and caring for other people. And their mom is great. I mean... No one can beat my mom, but... Sure. Why do they call her Marmy? I don't know why they call her Marmy. Uh, I've always kind of assumed it was just maybe a local colloquial kind of thing, but maybe maybe that's what Louisa May Alcott called her own mom. Mm. I have no proof, you... and I've done no research. <laughs> I've, I've wondered about it for way too long not to have Googled it, honestly. Same. I just kind of accepted it because it fits her so well and it's what they all call her from the start. And so Mm -hmm. since it's never brought up and made a big deal of, I just kind of took it for granted. Sure. Well, it's sweet either way. Even if even if they're the only people in town who call their mom Marmy and everyone's like, what the heck does Marmy mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're they're all into it. There's enough of them that they can make it a thing. Yeah, and I think their family is so sweet. So to answer the second part of your question, I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm kind of attached to the person I am now. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd probably want to be myself. But growing up when I read the book, I always identified most with Joe. I think that's really common. Uh, Do you know, I would not picture you as Joe. Really? Yeah, yeah. What's the older sister's name? Meg. Meg. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You always just have like such a calm cadence to you that I really feel like you would be the older sister. But I understand that Joe has such main character vibes. Yeah, and it was more that Joe's goals in life and stuff resonated more with me. Joe wants to be a mm-hmm. writer. She loves to write. She loves to read. Mm. And she loves to write crazy fiction so she writes a lot of adventure tales and uh-huh. she writes a lot of murder mayhem mystery things yeah. that are a little out there for the time and especially for like a woman to write 
And I also like that she kind of bucked the system of just being a young woman growing up to get married. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that because she had ambitions and her own personality, but she still valued family. She didn't discredit family. She just wasn't Mm -hmm. all about immediately getting married. So that's why maybe personality wise in some ways, I'm not as crazy as Joe was and maybe not as tempestuous because she loses her temper a lot. But you also mm-hmm. didn't know me when I was in middle school and high school. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Corey, I would love to have known you in middle school or high school. Uh... Having having listened to you read me your middle school and high school journals where you're like calling people fascists makes me want to have known you in middle school and high school. Uh, maybe. I I don't know. I feel like I was much more aggressive and emotionally <laughs> tumultuous middle school and high schooler. And that's not the person I am now. Or have and I haven't been for years. So it's always mm-hmm. weird to go back and read those. I'm always shocked by how opinionated I was about things I didn't know anything about. Do you think you knew what a fascist was? Uh, I probably knew the definition because uh-huh. I was big on googling definitions and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> but not not the application of it or all the implications that come with it. So sure. <laughs> But yeah, I had very strong political views and I don't as much now. I have a lot more focus on values, I guess. That's fair. Well, but I, having... I know I know enough about the world now to know that I don't know enough to be that strongly opinionated. If that sure. makes sense. Uh, so you want to be so you want to be Joe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd either want to be Joe or I'd just want to be myself. If I entered the story as myself, I would probably take Joe's spot and mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a Joe. There would just be a Corey. Okay. Yeah. Because the way I would want myself to be in the story would be too similar to Joe without being Joe. Uh-huh. That don't think we could occupy the same family. Right. Do you sense. remember when Joe's little sister and I can't remember her name and maybe it was Amy um mm-hmm. dumped all of her manuscripts in the fire? Yes. <laughs> And Joe yeah. got, like, righteously angry at her, which I would, too. And then, I'm going to keep calling her Amy because I can't remember who exactly it was. It is Amy. Uh, she almost died because she fell in the ice. And Joe was like, ah, if, if it weren't for my, like, raging temper. But, but no. She no, threw Joe... your almost completed manuscripts in the fireplace and they were completely ruined. Like, hundreds of pages just destroyed. Oh, yeah. yeah. The only copy. But Ugh. Joe does save Amy, and then she's... They make but up. But then she feels bad. She feels bad right. for what she, she did. She does. Well, because the whole reason Amy falls into the ice is because Joe and Laurie had told Amy that she could go with them ice skating that day. Mm-hmm. But then Joe and Laurie left without her because Joe was so mad at her, which I do think is fair. And then Amy followed them. And since she followed them and was, like, a small child instead of a full-grown child like the other two. (laughs) Sure. That she didn't know where the ice was safe and not safe. So she got on the thin ice and then she fell in the water. And she almost died. 
Yeah. But she was a real butthole for tossing yeah. all jokes. Also, manuscripts if I in the was fire. in the story, listen, if I was in the story, I would marry Ooh. Laurie. Oh, but because he was like, I, I just want to marry, I just want to marry a March sister. And I know that I want to marry one of you. And I've always known I want to marry you. And she says, I do not want to be married for my name any more than you do. Which no, is so that's powerful. Not part of, that's not a part of the story. Ooh, he, that's yes, the way. No, no, no. You've made yes, up. Yes, it is. You've, you've no, talked. I have not. Listen, Corey. That's no, not I did part not. of her thing. Her whole part of rejecting her is that, of rejecting him is that they're too similar in personality. Yes and no, Corey. You're right, the but you're wrong. The answer is yes. Shh. No, you've, Corey, you've done inductive Corey. reasoning from no, him Corey, moving on I and marrying Amy. No, Corey. No, I quoted from the movie, which I'm sure is also in the book. Um, probably not. The book is much longer than the movie. I've read both. I, I don't. I think Corey. Corey. She says I do not want to marry someone. Someone to marry me for my name any more than I think you would want someone to marry you for yours. And that is case closed because. I remember it word for word, and you don't. So you, you can't tell me I'm from wrong. The movie, not the book. And also, I don't. I don't know which movie you think that is in. But okay, but there are so many versions of the book. I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you this: it does happen somewhere, somehow, some way in Little Women canon. She says that, and I think it's true for all of the things because it's such a good line. I don't think that line is true. But, I mean, it would make a good line, but I don't think it... I can't remember that being in the book. Well, you know, folks, um, once we get this resolved, uh, I will be posting about it. And also, Corey will be posting an apology quote to me. I'm not on social media, so you can't make me. I can do what I want. Corey, Corey, do you want to tell us what we're talking about today? So, we're... Reencountering Sleeping Beauty 2.0, uh, the second part. Because in our first episode, as you probably know, we decided that there's too much material in Sleeping Beauty for just one episode because there's there's really two different stories with different plot arcs. Because the first part of the story about Sleeping Beauty is her being cursed by the bad fairy and then falling prey to that curse and then being cursed for a hundred years and all that which we mm-hmm. resolved by turning sleeping beauty into a magician who mm-hmm. spends her life practicing magic and all the arts of butt kickery with some beefy fairies who teach her how to lift weights and do taekwondo and and also magic tricks so that she can yeah impress ma- the magic fairy. tricks Magic tricks are the biggest part of this entire thing because yes. magic tricks are what really like resolve the plot line real fast. Well, yeah, because she maybe there we could also throw in some feats of strength at her big birthday party bash that she invites the bad fairy to. And she gives a gift. She gives the bad fairy the gift that she should have gotten at the first birthday celebration. Yeah. But didn't because everyone thought maybe the bad fairy was dead. And so now she's not a bad fairy. Now she's just the, the eighth fairy, which is good. And now they're buds. But let's say they the, maybe they fall out of touch after, uh, after a while. Because now sure. the second half of the story, the main problem is that Sleeping Beauty get, like has gotten married. 
And her uh-huh. husband's great. He he was a prince, and then he becomes the king when his father passes away. The only problem is that her in-law, the remaining in-law, is terrible. The remaining in-law is literally an ogre. Uh, so the queen mother's an ogre who wants to eat her grandchildren and her daughter-in-law, which is bizarre. And so yes. that's the second half of the story, is Sleeping Beauty surviving that, her and her children surviving that. And the way surviving that happens, the murder, the surviving the murder and cannibalism, I guess. No, if she's an ogre, it's not cannibalism. Except that her son is, for all intents and purposes, a human. Her son's not planning on eating her. It's her, the ogre, who wants to eat them. But it calls into so... question for me: Is an ogre just a kind of person, or is it a separate monster like variety? Yes. It's not okay. a human. It's not a human. Do you know how I know? Because when Fiona is a human, she's a human. And then at night time, she turns into story, an ogre. And it's a curse. This story predates Shrek. Uh, I'm sure. But lore is lore. And the fact of the matter is, an ogre is an ogre and a human is a human. And it's not cannibalism because she's not a human. Although, wow. although if she's able to have a human son, mm-hmm. she cannot be that far off. Yes, that was my point. <laughs> thanks for thanks for rejecting my opinion, circling back around and taking it for your own. That's like I said, hey, that's like I said, hey, let's camp here, and you said, no, this is a terrible spot. Let's keep hiking, and we hiked in a circle and got lost, and came back to the same clearing. I first said, hey, let's camp here, and you said. This is a marvelous spot. This is where we're going to camp. <laughs> and I said, uh, this is where I said we should camp the first time. <laughs> Corey, Corey, let me let me run something by you. What if the first time we passed by the spot, it had just rained and it was real muddy. And the second time we passed by the spot, a rainbow was out and the rocks were shiny and the flowers bloomed and that's why i decided on the spot not because i rejected your first one out of spite but because i didn't see it for what it was potential (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it was my job to see it with new bright shiny eyes and claim it as my own sure sure well the point stands yes it's something akin to cannibalism whatever the technical word for a mother-in-law wanting to eat her grandchildren and her daughter-in-law. Yes. And that's what's going on. Yes. So what happens in the second half that facilitates her ability to attempt to eat them is Mm -hmm. that their kingdom goes to war with another kingdom for reasons that are not disclosed. Mm -hmm. And then they, the husband, the king, leaves his mom, the queen mother, in Mm -hmm. charge while he's gone. Which sounds like a great idea when you know what kind of person she is. And so she says, oh, don't worry about anything. I can handle the kingdom. And also your wife and children and I will go and live in our country estate. Because everyone has a country estate in this story. And we'll be just fine. But her true motivation is that she thinks out in the country she'll have a better chance of getting to eat them without anyone causing a fuss. And so they get to that house, sure. it's run by the steward, who's a great guy and also a bit of a wuss, because he wants to <laughs> he wants to not get eaten by the ogre, which is fair. But yeah. also the ogre wants him to cook 
like killing cook these humans and he's not really up for that but also he doesn't know how to get out of it until he does and he does and that's great he creates different meals with like goats and a sheep and all this and serves it in regular human sauce regular human sauce yep fools the ogre and then he and his wife are taking care of the queen the human Mm -hmm. queen sleeping beauty her two kids but the problem is that eventually the ogre finds out that they're there because Sleeping Beauty is going to slap one of her children. And we yeah, won't get into that at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she prepares the the big copper pot of slugs and other repulsive reptiles. Although slugs are not sure. reptiles, but we're moving right along. Then right before she can have the, the children and the daughter-in-law thrown into the pot... The husband comes home, the king, mm-hmm. and he like cries out in alarm. He's like, what's going on here? And the ogre, in her anger, I reread this, in her anger oh. and like, frustration at being thwarted, basically, because her plan had been to tell her son that wild wolves killed his wife and children. Right, and, and now a that, full of slugs. <laughs> right, and now that that's obviously not going to be able, like, be a viable option, she jumps willingly into the pot of slugs. And uh, she could have just had another dinner of like cows and goats and been perfectly well fed. But instead, but instead, she chooses death. Death. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the other option. Yeah. She's being a little over dramatic. She is nothing if not over dramatic. So she throws herself into the pot and is immediately consumed by these repulsive reptiles. Oh, good. The end. How and then we have our pot. <laughs> big enough for an ogre and a bunch of repulsive reptiles. And then we have our morals, which are challenging in themselves. Uh-huh. Basically, patience is a virtue, but no woman is patient enough to wait 100 years to get married. And then also, it's worth waiting to get married. Except if you don't, that's fine too. Right. The end. So maybe we can change the moral of the story when we change the story. Yeah. So also we got to start by, since we didn't have Sleeping Beauty get trapped in a castle and a like endless slumber for a hundred years. Right. She's got to meet the prince in another way. Yeah. But how? What if okay. when Sleeping Beauty plans her big birthday bash mm-hmm. to invite the queen, the, not the queen, the bad fairy to? What if she also extends an invitation to all the local royalty to reannounce her reemergence into the real world? Because, you know, she was kind of in hiding. In right, the, until the duel. Until she turned 18, where she either planned uh-huh. to fight the, the bad fairy or impress her with her new skills. Right. Do you know what I'm picturing right now? What? She's got... She... <laughs> She's got this, like, entire song queued up from Mm -hmm. Frozen, where Mm -hmm. she's like, the window is open, so is that door. I didn't know they did that anymore. And she just sings and, like, flies around the castle. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, preparing this giant birthday bash. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Hans does not show up. But instead, a prince whose name is, uh, what's his name? He doesn't get one. He doesn't he's get a name. The he's the prince and then he's the king. Let's name him Hans. Let's let's do a thing. Let's uh, do a little a little mix up. Okay. That can be his only similarity. I just really like the idea of her singing the frozen song. Alright. So then Hans shows up. 
I don't like it. He's not. It's not a main character name. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I I'm I take full responsibility call, for the bad naming him, choice of our prince. Let's call him Prince Stephen. Stephen. I don't know. I had to pick a name of somebody we don't know very well. I know a Stephen. I don't know if I do. <laughs> Can we call him Jeffrey? <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. Prince Stephen finds his way mm-hmm. to this party. I think they make eye contact across the hall. It's it's a Disney movie. We can uh mm-hmm. we can make a lol cheesy. Mm-hmm. But maybe mm-hmm. they don't get married right away. Well, I'm thinking they make eye contact across the hall. And then when she asks for volunteers, she noticed him and thought he was cute. And so when he raises his hand to be disappeared somewhere, yeah it she picks him okay and so she disappears him to like some back room so that later she has to go and find him and like bring him back out (laughs) so there's like a hidden panel under the thing and he like went down a slide yeah but they don't possess the mechanical skills to raise him back up it can only drop him safely <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then sure, she has to sure, go sure. through a bunch of hallways and down some stairs and and bring him back him. out later once once the performance is over and the snacks and drinks start being passed around sure and so, so then they think, have that mm. whole long passageway to talk and get to know each other and and awkwardly tuck their hair behind their ears and flirt right He says, well, I come from a small family. My mom's an ogre. She says, well, I also come from a small family. (laughs) I had a fairy who was trying to kill me. Blah, blah, blah. You know the rest. Um, (laughs) And then they emerge. I've been pretending to be asleep for 18 years. Yeah, I I have been in hiding. Um, What was it like to have an ogre for a mom? And he says, not so great. And... Then they emerge into the hallway. Do you think he mentions the mom? Or do you think he just says, oh, my dad's great. I don't have a great relationship with my mom, though. What if he says, (laughs) what if he says my mom is kind of an ogre? Yeah. And she she thinks he's just being, like, sarcastic. Like, Mm -hmm. she thinks that he's, like, joshing her a little bit. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, my mom can be tough on me sometimes, too. But yes. every every moment up until they're already married, he just keeps being like, well, you know, my mom, she's kind of an ogre. And she's like, yeah, yeah I know. Come <laughs> wink, on, man. Wink, Come up I with a better. <laughs> right. <laughs> she she does not get that this is like reality for well, her. And maybe even when they meet, uh, maybe his mom wears human makeup so she doesn't have the skin tone of an ogre. And so she just looks like a really beefy, <laughs> large woman. Okay. And it would be rude to inquire. Right. So you just say, well, my, like, Mrs. Mrs. Prince's mom, what yeah. big hands you have. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. What large bloodshot that... eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the mom only does a lot of grunting. She doesn't really talk much. When she does, it's kind of like, a little bit sloshy. And I imagine "Eh." she's got to know all of the royal etiquette stuff, but she does it in the most clumsy bull in a china shop kind of way. So she curtsies and she, she pours tea, but she breaks the teacups, at least one of them. 
Right. At every gathering. Do you know who I'm picturing? Who? That that teacher from Matilda. Oh, I never saw Matilda. Oh. Well, you know the teacher. No. There's a really mean teacher in Matilda. <laughs> She's a really aggressive, beefy woman who is a shot putter, I think. Oh, okay, then yes. That's exactly who, if we made this movie, would play the the queen mother. Yeah. Um, so and I'm imagining the king is a very diminutive, diminutive, polite, like handsome man. Yeah. And he he just pretends like she isn't there. Uh, he's like, yeah, don't. He's think... like, don't mind Brunhilde. They do things a bit different <laughs> in the mountains. They make them different uh, back where she's from. That kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe he really is kind of in love with her, but he's also like a little bit scared of her and embarrassed, like socially embarrassed for her blundering about. One hundred percent. So she does not know that that Brunhilde. <laughs> is actually a real-life ogre. They kind Mm -hmm. of keep it hush-hush, but the son is really, like, being, like, blatantly, like, yeah, she is what she is, and she's just like, "Uh uh-huh, right. And they they get married. Uh, Natural progression of things, give them a little while, but not too long, because I feel like if they had taken a real long time to get married, she would have found out. Right, you Um, can only keep up that charade for so long. right. But they only ever see the mom, like, in public settings, at public gatherings, at a distance. Right, because it's not unusual for people to meet their future in-laws only a couple of times before the wedding. Sure. Especially imagine this is this is fairy tale times, way back when. And uh-huh. so... Once upon a time. Once upon a time, if you will, yeah. And so they, they their kingdoms are far apart, so maybe he moves to her kingdom so that they can get to know each other and date and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they just make, there are some official visits from his family to hers and then from hers to his. And her mom, I imagine is the epitome of grace and style and comportment. And then right. the comparison would be very humorous of sleeping beauty's mom and <laughs> And this ogre in woman makeup. <laughs> can I can I make a suggestion? Yeah. Sleeping Beauty is a little dumb. And Sleeping Beauty never finds out that she's an ogre. Ever. Corey, Corey, let me maybe let me let me just, go there first. Maybe second. she's just super literal. Like she takes everything at face value. Which is why when one of her fairy godmothers said, man, it would be easier if we could just teach you magic, then Beauty was like, well, teach me then. Right. She's Even though like, she has no magical ability. I will learn magic. And they were like, yeah. no, no, no. And she's like, nope, I'm going to learn magic. And then they had to like, what? Oh, Corey. Yeah. What if she thinks she's doing magic? What? I think that's the best possible. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty thinks it's 100% real. <laughs> oh, man. All of these actual fairies are, like, blundering oh, around. Like, bazing, bazing. Like, trying to just, <laughs> just like, do everything that she says she's doing. She's uh, like, I make them disappear. And they're, like, running to the other side of the room, sweating, mm-hmm. knocking it off the table, running And I, I like the idea that they always are constrained by they can't use real magic or it would give it away. So always it's it's physical sleight of hand and stuff, but they're having to do the the background like things to make it happen. Oh man, 
Yes. Sleeping Beauty is real, real literal. And real, real... I, she's got to be a little dumb. She's just got to be a little dumb. And everyone uh, just kind of caters have, to she her. She doesn't have to be dumb to be non-observant. Because I like okay. her being an intelligent, strong female character. That but is just like real completely people... blindsided by real life. Right. Well, because I think she expects everyone to be just as upfront and literal as she is. And she doesn't. Okay. She's not because this is not the beauty who's had family lie to her and hide stuff from her. They're the ones who told her upfront, like, hey, if you ever touch this, you'll die. Uh-huh. And also, when you turn 18, this bad fairy is going to come fight you and you got to get ready. Right. And so right. she just takes things very, pra- she's very practical, very literal. She's smart, okay. but she just doesn't observe any kind of subterfuge or detect lies because she can't believe people would lie to her. I think her only social saving grace is that her mom somehow got it through to her that if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Corey. But other than that, she just, she says what she thinks. Corey, can I, can I, can I throw something by you for a second? Sure. If she takes everything literally Mm -hmm. and he says my mom is kind of an ogre, what if if Brunhilde is a real lady? What if Brunhilde is a real lady? And and Sleeping Beauty Beauty thinks thinks she's an ogre. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, this makes it very different. I like this. Oh, and what Corey. if Sleeping Beauty oh. feels like she has to reveal that Brunhilde is an ogre? And at every turn, she's trying to unmask her. So she, she's setting up practical joke kind of things. She's got a bucket of water above a doorway trying to splash the makeup off of her that she assumes right. is there. But really, Brunhilde is just... She's just a, she's just a beefy lady. She's just a beefy lady with no... <laughs> With no royal background. That's the real right. secret. She is just like an Irish potato farmer. Like, doesn't care to be royalty. And he's like, yeah, my mom's kind of an ogre. Mm-hmm. And she's like, your mom is an, an ogre? ogre? <laughs> and he's like, kind <laughs> of. And she's like, your mom is an ogre. And mm-hmm. then, okay, okay. So fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're married. They're married. She has had children. They live. At, they live at his kingdom, I suppose. Probably in the same I castle really like as his the, mom and dad. Well, I like the idea of the events unfolding the way Sleeping Beauty sees them, being not what really is happening. So right, maybe right. really they do live in this cottagey area and Broomhilda goes to stay with them. Mm-hmm. She's just like, don't worry, I'll go stay with your wife and kids. She seems nice, a little you go weird. go fight the war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go stay with her. I'll like dig a garden. I just need to get my handy dandy bucket of grubs because mm-hmm. if I have a bucket of grubs, then I can like fertilize the garden better, like mm-hmm. better for the soil. Mm-hmm. And Sleeping Beauty is like, She's trying to kill us. <laughs> she thinks at every turn. People. She thinks at every turn that Brunhilde is trying to get them served up for dinner, and so she has all these conspiracy theories. And she keeps yes! like, she keeps avoiding her or canceling dinner plans <laughs> because she's she's so suspicious. So you have all these scenes of Sleeping Beauty 
skulking around the cottage area, keeping an eye on Brunhilde with homemade binoculars held up to her eyes. And oh everything, my gosh. the way it would have to work out is sitcom, uh, sitcom style. Yes, Brunhilde is like saying, saying things that could be interpreted as I'm going to murder yes. you. Everything, She's like, everything Brunhilde says, she looks at, when she sees the children, she says, oh, you're just so cute. I could eat you up. And, and Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty is like, like oh, oh, no, a threat. Yeah. <laughs> a real She's threat. like, I'm going to make you dinner. I just got to put my foot in it to make it good. And they're like, you're putting actual human feet in this mm-hmm. or she's like she's like yep just gotta put some elbow grease on it and she thinks she has like a jar of like a human elbows grease mm, yes everything and everything anything I think she every... says that could be taken as bad also let's assume sleeping beauty she did grow up being raised by magic wielding fairies and royal parents in a very weird hybrid household Sure. And being trained only for the specific purpose of either impressing the heck out of the bad fairy or beating her butt. <laughs> with quote-unquote so, real magic. Yeah, with quote-unquote real magic and or martial arts. Whichever sure. it took. Plan A was magic. Plan B was martial mm-hmm. arts. <laughs> um, and everyone's just glad it didn't come down to plan B. But the thing is, Sleeping Beauty still has the skills from plan B. Are you sure? But what Sleeping Beauty doesn't have is any understanding of how real life work happens. Okay. She doesn't understand the working class, but Brunhilde comes from the working class. And so right. everything Brunhilde does seems really suspect. And so <laughs> maybe we see Brunhilde, she sees Brunhilde talking to somebody out in the yard. And then later she sees Brunhilde like dragging a bag full of something that looks vaguely human shaped in size. <laughs> it's just a bag of kitchen. potatoes. Yeah. And it's a bag of potatoes and Sleeping Beauty. Everything she sees like a sitcom or a comedy movie, she sees every action that Brunhilde does looks like murderer actions. Ooh, think yes. Of, think of... Home Alone, the first one. Uh-huh. Have you seen it? Where she, like, where he, he puts up all of the, like, booby traps for everyone. Well, that too. But the first part is, you know, he has a neighbor in that. There's a oh, human yeah. being within contacting distance. Yes. Who he sees and speaks to several times. Yeah, he but thinks he's a murderer. He thinks he's a murderer because he sees him drag stuff out of his garage and different stuff like that. But it turns out the old man is spring cleaning and different stuff. Uh-huh. And I think we have to have shots like that. We're from Sleeping Beauty's perspective. Brunhilde is 100% a psycho serial killer murderous <laughs> ogre woman. Uh, she yes. sees, ooh, maybe she sees Brunhilde come in and Brunhilde has dirt smeared on her face. But what Sleeping Beauty thinks is that that's her real skin color. <laughs> and oh, it's showing man. through the makeup. But it's just dirt over her actual skin tone. Sure. Oh, uh, Yes, so Sleeping Beauty, like Kevin McAllister, <laughs> starts mm. trying to trip up or or get Brunhilde to reveal herself. And also she's real oh, sketch man. with the children of like, hey, don't be around your grandmother alone without me. Um, but then I think- I like to, to be- think that the children just see everything absolutely clearly. And they're yes. like- I love grandma. She's awesome. She yes. taught us how to go fishing. And she's just like seeing her holding up like the fish eyeball <laughs> and thinking it's a human eyeball. Yes. And she's like, come on, kids. <laughs> We've got to go. 
Yeah, the kids are actively trying to convince her that it's not a real ogre. Yes. Uh, Then I think maybe a real ogre has to show up. Oh! To give them an outside threat that makes them realize that actually we have a lot in common. We have similar goals. And also, this is what a real ogre looks like. So you know that Brunhilde isn't one. Interesting. Where what what's gonna happen, Corey? So I think maybe they start hearing rumors that there's a there's an ogre in this part of the country where they're at in their little country cottage place. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty squints. <laughs> yeah, like yes, exactly. So that there's the local village is having like ogre attacks. Hasn't killed okay. any people yet. But, like, livestock have been dragged off. And it's always going to coincide with something sketchy Brunhilde is doing at the cottage. (laughs) And so Sleeping Beauty 100% suspects that it's Brunhilde. Okay. And so all of this has to come to a head. So that there's there's all of this tension and all these little, these back and forths of she's trying to trip up Brunhilde. Brunhilde doesn't get tripped up because she's a human and so you can't yeah and she's, she's also like she's just she's just trying to do her job and yeah. it's just getting progressively harder like yes. she walks into the room and the bag of potatoes that she had just dragged in has been split open and they're yes. just all over the floor and sleeping beauty and she's looks like, so Ugh. suspect and so strange <laughs> and i so... just picture her like scuttling around <laughs> <laughs> oh and maybe she tries out some of her real magic she does some sleight yeah. of hand and stuff and and she's probably researching ogres and all sorts of things and brunhilde doesn't think anything of those things because she's like i'm not an ogre and when you're fully convinced you're not an ogre you're not gonna make like connect those two things because right, they're too right. far-fetched but because sleeping beauty has never been like i know your secret yes <laughs> But I think that things keep getting uh, closer and closer to home, that like something gets mm-hmm. stolen from their property. And so it pushes Sleeping Beauty to take drastic action. And she okay. she traps maybe, maybe she traps Brunhilde <gasps> in the basement or yes. something. In the cellar. Or she like creates like one of those like nets. Yeah, and she like catches she, like, her. But the her. thing is, while she's got her captured, the real ogre has to show up. Yeah, and the real ogre looks absolutely nothing like what she's imagined. Right, ogre looks like. like think big, monstrous, gray-green creature, like yeah. far more creature than humanoid. And so right. it's got to be at the same time that Sleeping Beauty has just spoken to Brunhilde. Maybe is speaking to Brunhilde. Like she's through like a, a closed door or a net. Yeah, a keyhole. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think she's got to do that double take of realizing that Brunhilde is not the ogre and that that's clearly what an ogre is. <laughs> and so then she releases Brunhilde and probably the ogre has kidnapped the children because you've really got to up the up the danger because you just got it because it's the end of the story. Sure. And so she, then they have to team up and with the power of like working class life skills <laughs> and fake real magic and martial arts, they beat up and, and capture this ogre. <laughs> And save Can this just be a musical? Can this please be a musical? <laughs> yes, it's been a musical. This is this a musical fight scene? 
Uh, yeah, so it's for sure a musical fight scene. They save the children, and all this has to go down. I think they, like, land the final blow to knock down the ogre and capture the children at the same time that the husband has, like, raced back because he heard the stories about the ogre and he's worried about them. But they got it. The two of them got it. And they, now they love each other, and they understand each other, and... Uh I think mother-in-law is a little squinty at Sleeping Beauty. Because sure. she's like, you thought I was an ogre. <laughs> but they got, they've got they got to make up for the most part. Sure, sure. But I think the mother-in-law will never be like, oh, yeah, Sleeping Beauty's a real uh, smart lady. <laughs> I think she's going to be, like, over-explaining herself from now on. She's like, gonna say things I like, "I am cutting up the chicken feet. These are from an animal that I killed with a knife, not my teeth, not which, my teeth." Which to anyone else sounds more suspicious than ever, but it makes Sleeping Beauty very comfortable. <laughs> yes, everyone else is like, "Ah, uh, uh, why is she over-explaining everything and making herself look like an actual ogre?" Mm-hmm. And I. I think they live happily ever after. Sure. <laughs> Sketchy they, in-law relations are not uncommon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they open like a an ogre removal pest control business. Maybe. Maybe they are uh, Ghostbusters. Ogre busters? Yeah. Yeah. Have we, uh, have we reached the better end, Corey? <laughs> I think we've reached the better end. I like it. <laughs> Good. So, if you liked what you heard and you stayed with us this far uh why don't you send us some suggestions for some icebreaker questions some stories that have endings you don't approve of or that you think could be improved by us Mm -hmm. or a story you painstakingly wrote and love very much that you'd like to see us write an ending for yeah write an ending for (laughs) yeah it might be better. It might be worse. Uh, we'll call it better regardless, but you don't have to We will. <laughs> we will. You still have to give us, like, co-authorship or yeah. at least, like, contributorship. And by, like, story that you send in to us, it doesn't have to be, like, five to 50,000 words. You could have a two or three sentence or two or three paragraph story idea that just needs an ending. And we might, maybe soon we'll present some of our own stories like that for each other to finish. Yes. Very Um, soon. But you can send all those suggestions to suggestions at tothebetterend.com. And we'd like to thank our friend, our good, good friend, Josh, for the use of our intro and outro music. That's about it. Have a good day. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.